When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Tom Bernard Show with Doug Sprinthal. Andy Brant Bernard. Oh, there's Mike. L.A. Nick. Is that how L.A. Nick sounds? And holler out Mike Molina. Mike Molina. There we go. There we go. L.A. Nick. That, was, he sounds, that sounds more like uh, the mayor of Philadelphia or something. Anyway, we'll be right back. Tom Bernard Show. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and <laughs> it's gentlemen. Been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Ladies and gentlemen, Doug Sprinthal, Walter Automotive Group, walter.com. We signed up another rider uh, for the Tour to Cure ride, so I think we're up to 15 now. This would be pretty cool, and I'll have to check the corporate standings. We're raising a lot of money for the American Diabetes Association. If you are at all interested, please join us. The ride is June 2nd, starts at Boom Island. It's kind of a circuitous route, 26 miles long, so you don't have to be Lance Armstrong to do this. We gotta, you gotta get Brittany to sign up for that. I mean, she runs marathons for crying. That's what out I told her she should sign up. She's a big girl. Anyway, it's big a lot baby. of fun. If you want to join, go to the Tour to Cure website uh, and look for the KQ Walzer team and sign up. Or if you need help, their site's a little kludgy. You can always email me at dougatwalzer.com and I'll get you connected. So, it's a big fun event. This is our second year, and I'm looking forward to it. I think it's good. Well, yeah, it should be a great time. It's only what now three weeks away. About yeah. They've been riding it almost every day, so I'm ready. It's tw- yeah, yeah. It's the what's shorter than last seven. year. I think we were 32 miles last year, and this yeah, is only 26. Right. So, I think you might be right about that. That's a possibility. So, that's everything. That's it. Walzer Automotive Group. Walzer dot com. Theoretically, if someone just like showed up to that thing with an electric bike, would you like call the cops on them or what? I would doubt it. <laughs> yeah, it's like, what are they going to do about it? That's true. So, I'm, I mean, if you want to be a rebel rouser or whatever. So now you're sure it's 26 miles, right? Because, yeah. you know, those idiots in Milwaukee, yeah. two years in a row, they screwed up the marathon. And whoever oh, finished could not qualify for the so Boston stupid. Marathon. I didn't know right? that. Yeah, there was yes. like 25.8 or whatever. Yeah, they mismeasured it. Yeah, it was like, it was like they point off. one mile yeah. off. It was uh, too uh, short. Oh, no. And so, that's the second time they did that. Yeah. yeah. 
But it was the same company both times, and I think that company might be on the outs now. People had to be so mad. Yeah, can well, you yeah, imagine getting the Boston Marathon, you get messy, somebody screws you over. Yeah, imagine running 99% of a marathon, and then they're like, nope, that didn't count. Yeah. It's like, can't you just extrapolate how much longer it would take me? Uh, can you even imagine? They should have oh. got a pass. They really should have. They should have gotten got a pass. It's not yeah. their fault. Yeah, it's not their fault. And if you've run that much, I mean, how many people run... All but point one of a marathon and then don't finish. Yeah. Well, if you watch the last mar- half mile of a marathon, there's a lot of there's a lot of death and destruction. Oh, right there. is there People ever pooping well, themselves? Isn't that one of the key over. marathons to get into the Boston Marathon? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's like the Twin Cities, you know. Right. There was a guy last year a marathon. Dan ran a marathon last year and it finished crossing a bridge. They might close the Stone Arch Bridge. What? They're thinking about closing the Stone Arch Bridge. Oh, no. Like permanently? Uh, yeah, they just can't afford to uh, to update it, so they're just thinking of closing it. Uh, oh. I swear to God, I'll move well, to it was another closed, state. It was closed before. Well, open it up. I know, but that was closed for years. For years, yeah, until they turned it into a walking and ride, bike riding Well, bridge. it looks like they're going to close it, and then they, they, they say they don't have repair funds, so they're just going to close it and then just let it sit. So is that the city of Minneapolis that Mind has to pay for it? Or the state? It's MnDOT. Yeah, it's Minnesota Department of Transportation. How much could it be to fix the 13 bridge? $13 million. Millions. Okay, well, that, it's a me, government a institution. Money, but out of the state budget, that's not And out of the city budget, it's nothing, because they, thir- they spent They spent $13 million, million on... Nickel, eh? <laughs> did <yeah>. nothing. <laughs> well, wait a minute. People need free cell phones out there. <laughs> They spent thirteen million dollars on putting orange cones down and then taking them again without doing anything. <laughs> without doing Where anything. Where are all the Segway people going to ride if they close down the stone? I know. Bridge? Can you? They better not close down that bridge. I'm telling you. I don't use it anywhere near as much as the people in, that live in Mill City or the people that uh, go to the University of Minnesota. They use it constantly. Mm-hmm. I, I used to use it a lot to cut across to go to the other side. It's wonderful. Yeah. And it's beautiful too. That's the yeah. other part of it. So they, they they're gonna have to come up with a thirteen million. I gotta believe that they just uh, put you know, out the guy, a the guy crowdfunded. Who, the guy who built it really got screwed. Oh, did he? Oh yeah, he was trying to build a railroad to go to Alaska to bring the gold back to the oh, continental United States. Oh, I didn't but he, know. But he hit Canada, Canada, and he went he went about twenty miles into Canada with his tracks, and the Canadian government came down and said, "Get the hell out of here! You can't come in our country." Really? Yeah. So he he never he only got to skirt the top coast of America. So he never, never thought to call him first. Yeah. No, he didn't. He didn't. No, he really didn't. He just yeah. did it. Because back then, you know, Canada was the wild, wild. There was nothing up there. It was yeah. wilderness. That's not James J. Hill, though. No, it's... It was the, Oh, yes, yeah. yes, yeah, it is. James Hill, yeah. It was James J. Oh. Hill. Yeah. 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 Because he, he, he did that, too, I knew. Yeah, he yeah. owned the railroad. Oh, that's right. It's called the James J. Hill Stone Arch Bridge. Yeah. That's right. That's oh, the name of it. I didn't know that. 1883. Yeah. Okay. Oh, God. $17 million at the time. I did a whole... I, I mean, did a whole, today. The whole video on it. You did? Yeah, if you go to my website, you can watch that video of all the facts of the Stone Arch Bridge. Is that just the interrupt.com? Is that your website? <laughs> mayor, mayor, mayor. I only interrupt Doug. Yeah, I only interrupt. Well, we were Doug. talking about a lady show, and he brought, brings up some other show, so it wasn't kind of relevant. I love his fault. I love it. I was trying to promote the lady show. And you were, yes. I, oh, I he brings up some other show. <laughs> it's just wonderful. Smacks her show down like it's nothing. She doesn't have a show. It's she not a show. Trying to get her a show. Yeah, we're trying to get her a TV show. That's true. Okay. So, I mean, if the Stone Arch Bridge is only walking, then how much <laughs> Bike damage? Riding too. Well, but you know, there's no cars, so I Segways. mean, how much damage could it possibly take? Because cars exactly. are hard on the road, but walking and biking right. is really not. So. Well, no, the damage is is probably not from people on it. It's probably from the weather so conditions. The weather, and, yeah, the well, weather. Well, then closing the it's water, not going to help water anything. Underneath of it. It's not going to help anything to close it unless they're just saying they're going to close it and then just let it. Fall deteriorate. Which, well, everything else around there is deteriorated. Yeah, I guess that's true. No. <laughs> We're just going to let nature reclaim this bridge. I mean, everything around the bridge is the same way. I mean, they have parts of a wall that are just now this high and just crumbling into the earth, and you can't even. It says, "Do not touch. Do not touch the ruins." Oh, really? Yeah, just like where the old mill used to be oh, yeah, on yeah, that that's side right. of the bridge. That, that's right. Oh yeah, yeah more the mortar yep. at the water level is deteriorating. Oh, yeah. so I think what they're saying is they're going to have to close it because it would become Dangerous. like hazardous. Yes. So why don't they crowdfund it? Because Minnesotans don't like to pay for things like that. That is true. By the way, Minnesotans do not. They'll like They'll pay, to pay for things that are stupid, but not things that they like. <laughs> I mean, that they need. Like what kind of stupid things? 
Football stadiums? Well, well yeah, 50, exactly. $55 million in bikes, bike paths that two percent less than 2% of the population uses yeah. in the they'll, state of Minneapolis. They'll, they'll spend, Fact. yeah, $50 million on something like, you know, slightly more efficient, uh, I don't know, vehicle laws or something like that. But the bike then, lanes downtown cost a fortune, and yeah, le- less than 2% of the population uses them. But I've then never if, seen anybody on one. But then I've never if, seen anybody. Use I do, but that's less than two percent of the population. If Minnesota's about to like sink into the ocean, they'll be like, "Oh, we can, you know, we don't need to spend any money on that. It's fine. <laughs> Let's get palm trees." Well, look at our look at our roads. <laughs> our roads are horrific. They're literally always. If you're a bad. motorcyclist, beware if you come into the city of Minneapolis because well, there's enough holes. That, literally, there's holes in this city that if you hit, you are going down. I really? walked oh, here. Absolutely, you're wrecking. You're I, crashing. I walked here from my place. Um, and How long did it take you? About 25 minutes. No way! Yeah. 20, from your, <laughs> he stopped it's five a blocks! He, it's a lot more than five blocks. It's no, a half a mile, not. and also well, there's lots of lights. <laughs> what do you mean it's a lot more than five blocks, it's a half a mile? That's only one block more. Well, there you go. That's well, 20% that's a, more. I will bet you that I could get to your house in 10 minutes, tops. I would be very, very surprised. But anyway... Did um, you take the diagonal route that I told you to? On the way here... He's ignoring I potholes. walked across multiple... Well, two... Um, what do you call like the concrete squares that sidewalks are made of? Just slabs, I guess? Yeah. Yeah, yeah two paper, slabs paper of concrete that had like six-inch deep footprints in them. Oh! Because someone walked across the wet concrete and then they just never report it. What? Well, I'll tell you, there's potholes downtown Minneapolis right now that if you were on a motorcycle, it will eat your front wheel. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know you what's, really sad? what's really sad is that people on motorcycles, I suppose they do anyway, but Theodore Worth Parkway is a disaster on a motorcycle. And it's too bad because it's so beautiful. It is. I mean, just pour some tar in there. Yeah, it's it's a rough, really not that hard. Rough. It's not. I'm doing the driveway right now. The yeah. House. You are. Filling on all the cracks of tar. Really? But that would involve getting people to like go out and actually do work. Which is not something MnDOT likes. Mm, ooh. Well, downtown Minneapolis isn't MnDOT. That's uh, downtown Minneapolis. City oh, they have their own like oh, Department yeah. of Transportation. Absolutely, it's. Uh, That's it's, weird. They, they, no, it's not Department of Transportation. It's. Uh, uh, what's the name of that? The city Works. No, it's. Uh, I know. I even, I even know the guy who runs it, and I can't think of what it's called. Right, I'll read this one when you think of it. Yeah, I'll chime in. Interrupt. <laughs> <laughs> She's a young progressive face in the state's Democratic Party. Paulette Jordan is trying to make history in Idaho. On Tuesday, she won the Democratic nomination in Idaho's governor's race, progressing her long-shot goal of becoming the United States' first Native American governor, the two-term lawmaker of the Coeur d'Alene tribe. Jordan beat out A.J. Balukov, or Balukov in a competitive primary on Tuesday night, a race that became something of a familiar establishment versus newcomer Democratic Party fight. She'll be up against Republican Lieutenant Governor Brad Little in November. Idaho is unquestionably conservative, so much so that it is often considered to be a one-party state, Republican. That said, Jordan, at 38 years old, represents a young, fresh face for the Democratic Party in Idaho, compared to Balikoff, the 72-year-old former school board member. Jordan's progressive platform has gained a lot of national attention in recent weeks. She has won the endorsements of progressive national groups like Planned Parenthood, People for the American Way, Democracy for America, Indivisible, and People. I love that. How dare you use the name Indivisible for any party in the United States? Come on. Last time Idaho voted Democrat was 64. Well, so it's been a while. Wasn't that the year that everyone voted Democrat? I think pretty much it was a reaction to Kennedy getting yeah. Yeah. murdered. That's true. That was Johnson, right? Yep. Yeah, then it flipped yeah. 20 years later yeah. when our boy Mondale ran. Oh, God. Yeah. That's right. When, yeah. Is that 84? Yeah. When, like, one oh. place voted Us blue? In D.C. Yeah. 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 Minnesota and D.C. And your mom and I both voted for Mondale. And the guy hates my guts today, though. He is a piece of work, that guy. He's still alive? Maybe there's a reason no one voted for him. Oh, yeah, he's a total jerk. There's no getting there. Well, he is. I mean, what's he going to do? 
He well, Reagan had pulled alive. the country out of the recession, and things were rolling pretty good in '84. Yeah, things were going all right. Yeah, things were going all right, but Mondale's still a prick. Uh, so anyway. He is 90 years old now. Ah, he's 90. I can't call him that anymore. Yeah, he's, he's, an old guy. Guy. he's an old prick. You he's hit a 90, you're a free man. <laughs> yeah, you're right. If you hit 90, you can do whatever you yeah, want. Yeah, you're a free man at 90. I wonder if he does anything anymore. Will, I'm guessing not. I will tell you something. This is a true story, flat-out true story. I know somebody who worked for the Carter administration. And they said that Mondale, Fritz Mondale drove Jimmy Carter nuts with his way over the top, far left ideas. Even Carter was going, would you shut up? Leave me alone. Isn't that amazing? He was so way left that even Jimmy Carter went, come on, man. What are you doing? Man, he outlived a wife and a daughter. Yeah, he, oh yeah, Eleanor died. That that was yeah, she died bad. of brain cancer. Yeah, she died of brain cancer. That was a terrible. It was like a couple deal. years ago, right? Yep. Yep. 2011. Oh, oh my wow. god, that was seven years ago already. Oh. Yep. Yeah, that was a that was too bad because Eleanor had a lot of talent. She was a very pretty young uh, woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mondale's niece was my second grade teacher. Oh, Joe from Louisville. See, what do you think of that action? And then of course. Uh, Ted Mondale's pretty much following his dad's uh, steps, trying to take advantage of everything he possibly can. But anyway, old Teddy. Other than that, chief executive officer of the Minnesota Sports Facilities Authority. Yeah, he's the one that got booted, though, didn't he? Yeah, no corruption yeah. there, huh? Didn't they give him the hook? Um, no, I think, I think no, that was, was a planning. It wasn't. Who was the one with the really Norwegian name? Yeah. Oh yeah, Kirill Kirken Klukken. Kierkegaard. Kirken Klukken Klukken. Or, yeah, you know, you're right. It was yeah. a woman yeah. and Ted Mondale yep. who were bringing all their relatives and friends to the luxury yeah. suite. Yeah. At the game. At the games. Like, what are you doing? You can't just bring your buddies to games. City of Minneapolis did that again this, this last year. Did what? Brought people to the suites. You can't do that. You know, they all got. Our mayor right now did it. He's one of the people who got caught. No, oh, Ted just guy. became the Ted CEO of the Minnesota. So it's oh, okay, he's the person happened. before him. And he paid. He ended know. up paying forty dollars. Yeah, re- right. Reimbursing right. forty dollars for like a five thousand yeah. dollars suite. Forty bucks for the five thousand dollars suite. That's more than fair, don't you think? I don't understand people. Oh, that's at all. city. It's uh, public works. That's who Minneapolis Public Works. Yeah, purchased yeah. the roads. Although I used to know uh, Ted Mondale's wife. Uh, they got married a long time, but she, but she used to be a, a server at Rosen's. Oh, really? Yeah. The old Rosen's bar. Yeah. I, I knew Ted back. Really we used nice. to play basketball together when he was going to Billy Mitchell with oh, yeah. my best friend who lived on Roosevelt Island, tying both hours of the show together. See? Look at that. He was a good basketball player and seemed like a pretty good dude. I don't know. I, well, as long as you don't let him have, see your pocketbook, you're okay. <laughs> Yeah, I was like 22. There wasn't much to see. <laughs> nothing in the pocketbook to <laughs> yeah. see. No, I don't know. I don't know Ted Mondale. I never met him in my entire life. I, I know that Walter's not a fan. That's, but he's 90 now, so he doesn't care. Yeah. Walter's not a fan of his own son? No, of me. Oh, I was like, hmm. Walter, uh, yeah, he's an interesting cat, I'll tell you. Hot on the heels of news that Fergie was snubbed from the royal wedding reception, allegedly due to Prince Charles being salty. Fergie, the singer? No, 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 no. Fergie. No, Sarah, Sarah Ferguson. The, Sarah Ferguson. Who's that? Yeah. The redhead that was... She was married to some one of those creeps. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I she don't was the, she so was the, She was the mistress at one time. Yes. Oh, yes. well, then why would she be invited? Well, there is that. Yeah, you don't invite a mistress. Um, well, she married into the family, married, and then they got divorced. She's Prince yeah. Andrew's ex-wife. Right. right. Correct. Was his mistress, then they got married. Oh, I see. Okay. Indeed. Oh, I thought you meant like the mistress of like his current wife. No, his previous. No. Okay. No. Uh, there are now reports that Prince Harry's beautiful influencer cousin uh, has maybe been rejected from the entire event. Well, she looks like she's about 15. Oh, she's 22. Fergie? No. No, no, no. Oh. Rumor has it, and please note that the emphasis on rumor here, that neither 22-year-old model Lady Amelia Windsor nor her siblings are going to the the wedding or the reception. If true, this would be highly awkward considering Lady Amelia is granddaughter to Queen Elizabeth's cousin, the Duke of Kent, who happens to live near Prince Harry and Meghan Markle at Kensington Palace. She does look weirdly young. She looks really young. She could be 14 years old. Oh, she could be, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes. Tom Bernard Show.
This is Tom, and I want to tell you a story about camping. A guy named Tim, his back pain, and his angry wife. You see, Tim went camping with his family, but he aggravated his recurring back problem a couple of days before when he was golfing with his buddies. His wife had to set up the campsite and do all the heavy lifting, and Tim couldn't do a whole lot with the two kids. Tim was not a happy camper. And neither was his wife. The following Monday, Tim's wife got him an appointment at Hopkins Health and Wellness Center, a DMR method clinic. Their team of physical therapists and chiropractors figured out what was really wrong with his back, quickly got him out of pain, and taught him how to keep it from coming back. And what did Tim say was the biggest benefit of finally handling his back problem? Happy wife, happy life. DMR clinics are a group of physical therapists, chiropractors, and allied medical spine specialists that can help you feel better fast. They have a 96% success rate. It's covered by insurance, and you don't need a referral. They have convenient locations in Hopkins, Woodbury, Rogers, and Blaine. For a free consultation, go to dmrmethod.com. That's dmrmethod.com. Chris Lindahl's here. Talk about people wanting to sell their homes, but uh, the problem is they don't know where they're going to go. That's right. Yeah, the biggest challenge right now is you know you can sell your house and you can sell your house for more money with the Chris Lindahl team. The issue is is where are you going to go? You know, are you going to move in with your parents, your grandparents? Are you going to have a hotel? townhome for temporary housing, or are you going to move in with Tom? Well, they're not going to move in with me. They might move in with Chris, though, ladies and gentlemen. That's K-R-I-S, by the way. We have to reach right out to them. Where are they going to go? Yeah, so we have a you-don't-have-to-move-twice guarantee yeah, like where there's, there's five steps that we take at the Chris Lindahl team where we put those things in your contract when we represent you so that you're protected so you don't move twice. You're in control because you're the seller, and when you find a property, then you sell. It's a wonderful thing. So you've got the answer. I have the answer. Here we go. (laughs) That's why they're America's number one REMAX results team. We'll give the first five callers a free copy of Chris's number one best-selling book, Sold, chrislindahl.com, or you can call 763-401-SOLD. I did, oh, too. They're great live. Never saw them. Great well, David Burns in town tomorrow night and Friday. Yeah, really? That's right, that's right, yeah. Where? Fine uh, line? No, State Theater, I think. Yeah, it's the State, State Theater. That's State. good. Is it the State? Uh, State Water next year. It's right next to your bar. Pantages. Yeah. Oh, Pantages. Pantages, yeah. That's a great theater. It is. Small, really it's small, but it's great. small, yeah. yeah. That used to be the, what, the, the Ted Mann Theater. It's the, old, the oldest one. I think you're right. It it's the, the oldest one. It is, yeah. yeah. I think it was the Ted Mann Theater. In the it's a shame theater. they built around it because it used to be a self-standing yep. building. Yep. And they well, Doug's buddy, it. buddy, was buddies with them at RISD. Yeah. What? I had a, fr- a friend of mine from high school who's actually good friends with Chan Poling, Eleanor Mondale's husband. He went out to, uh, you just know everybody yeah. in this town, right? He went to Brown. And second year, he Rhode Island School of Art and Design is on the Brown campus. And second year he was there, he started living in this house. And he goes, hey, there's this really great band, and a couple of the guys are living in this house. I, I think they're really going to take off. They call themselves the Talking Heads. Really? And this is in the early 77, right before the record came out. And they became the big stars. Great band. Yep. And it was not usually my kind of music. Because the guy can't sing a note. Oh, no. But I still love the way he styled the song. You know, there's so many great artists through that time. And I look at now. Like, what's going to happen? What are they going to play in 25 years from now? Because I don't know. Who knows? (laughs) You don't hear people talking about music from 10 years ago. What's going to be the great music in 25 years? I don't know. Is there any great music now? There is, but nobody ever hears it. Because you can't get them bands won't ever get a chance for anybody uh-huh. to hear that. Why Everyone's a one-hit wonder. Because now. the industry doesn't want that. Why? I, I don't know. I just don't understand. I mean, the stuff that you know, classic rock. I'm sorry, but it's like how long is it going to last? Yeah. Years old, right? Now. How long? Is it, so I'm saying, how long are these songs like? That's a great song, but how long is it going to last? When the Beatles <laughs> broke, I was 11 years old, I think. And if by comparison to today's listening patterns. I would have been listening to to radio stations playing like Rudy Valley. Yeah, but you know what? Right. You know what the, the sad part is, though. If you talk to a fifteen or sixteen year old kid, mm-hmm. the average fifteen or sixteen year old kid, yes, they've never heard of any of these bands. That no, that's absolutely true. They never heard of. They don't know of any of them. Well, my favorite was uh, when. Um, Oh, God. Rory McElroy was asked at the oh. U.S. Open or the British Open a couple of years ago to name one of the Beatles. Yeah. He said George Lucas. 
Yes, George Lucas, the very famous Beatle. The Jedi Beatle. <laughs> the Jedi Beatle. I talked to a lot of kids. They, they've never heard of any band. No, they no. That's true. They don't even know any. Like they don't even know who Aerosmith is. Nope. I'm like, how do you not know who Aerosmith is? Like, never. Don't know that who that is. Yeah, all my kids must be unusual. Well, but you're well, a musician. They, that's what I'm saying. You, it's not. I'm talking the average kid. Although my oldest stepson, I, it, there's just something weird about him. He's 21, and I think he was actually born 40 years ago because he loves 70s music. He knows it inside and out. You know, really? some really obscure stuff. And it's like, wow, how oh, he's you, not average. Don't you know that? No, he isn't. He's yeah. just. Of course, his mom's a musician too, so maybe where he gets it from. Yeah. I. Uh, I have to ask you guys a question because, I, you know, I scroll through the news every day for the morning show and for this show as well. And right now, the political parties aren't really going after each other. No. What happened? It's, a kind, of, it's kind of a peace out. treaty right now. It is. No, it's, it's kind a, of a treaty right now. You ever see a couple of 60-year-old guys get in a bar fight? Oh, God. <laughs> At fact, some point, they both wind up going... <sighs> <laughs> I think that's kind of what's going on. Yeah, they're out of breath. Even even CNN's yeah. been a little yeah. moderate, man. I know. They've been a little moderate. Well, they did say, and, and many, many uh, people have stepped up and said, listen, uh, you guys better calm down or none of you are getting any votes yeah. from people. People are sick to death of your complaining. Yeah. Which I got to agree with. I'm sick to death of hearing, oh, this guy's horrible and that guy's horrible and oh my God, this is horrible. Shut up. You know who is horrible? Are you talking about going through news stories? I saw a news story this morning about a kid in England who killed his girlfriend and made a necklace out of her teeth. I did You see that? Look up. No. He lived, he lived with the remains in, her, in, his, in, his, in his apartment for like eight months. Oh. And he made a necklace out of her teeth. Hmm. It was on oh, the news, well, news thing yesterday. Look at him. He's clearly insane. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he looks What's like... What's the story, Andy? Read this the story. Uh, it's on Fox News. One day ago... A man in England was sentenced to life in prison to his day, which is pretty unusual in England. Yeah, yes. After being found guilty of murdering his girlfriend, dismembering her body, and admitting to police he made a necklace out of her teeth. Oh, my God. <laughs> they don't God. have a picture can, of the necklace, though. Can you even, oh, thank you. Can you even imagine pulling somebody's teeth out that you no. just killed? Just I, bet I, know, I bet I know what his favorite record was. Excitable boy. Excitable boy, they all killed her, then he took her home. It's a great song, but they (laughs) they always play Werewolf of London over Excitable Boy. I don't know why. Which is a terrible tune. I agree. I think Excitable Boy is way better than Werewolf of London, especially when our ex-governor gets up there and sings it. (laughs) Drinking a pina colama. (laughs) Good God. What do you? Come on, Jesse. What the hell? You can't remember that one. When's Dayton going to be our ex-governor? November. Uh, November. God. Well, he'll actually or whenever be our, they swear, be January, January 10th or whatever it'll be. I don't know. That's going to be. Do you see today that uh, Tim Pawlenty is not going to to uh, seek the Republican uh, nomination? Really? He's mm-hmm. not going to do it. He's going to run for governor, but he does not want to be considered a Republican. Well, what, what's, what's the background? He, he doesn't think the Republican can get voted in in Minnesota. He he might be right the Twin about Cities. That. Well, he was a two-term governor. I don't know why he would think. I don't know. Well, yeah, the Twin Cities. Do you know why? Is he going to run as an independent then? Or? I haven't talked to him about it, but we should we could have him on the show and ask him about yeah. that because he'll he uh, I've known Tim. I I knew Tim long before he was governor of Minnesota. So he and I were, have been friends for God twenty five years or something. something I watched like him talk you down off the ledge at Alex's wedding reception. <laughs> like you were wound up that day. I don't know what you're talking. What? You know exactly what I'm talking about. And I look over in the corner, and there's, there's Tom and the former governor, and you could tell. I don't know what the conversation was, but you could tell he was trying to, like, it's going to be okay, Tom. It's going to be fine. Gee, I'm guessing that's what it was. Somebody took my daughter. What do you want me to do? I get it. I just, Wait till you go through it. I know. Wait till you just hand over your kid. Hand them. <laughs> but that was kind of, you know, that's the weird thing about it is I'm sitting at my daughter's wedding. And I'm looking around, and there's like, you know, Don Shelby, one of the great uh, anchors of all time, governors. There's, I mean, it, it, the only person that didn't show up, because he, he didn't receive his invitation. Tim Ivory lives in St. Paul. He oh, never, really? He never got his invitation, but he came anyway. <laughs> Mike Bilski was sent an invitation. He never got it, but he didn't come because he didn't think he was invited. Like, Bilski, she worked for you. Of course you were invited. But he didn't come because he didn't think he got it. Still mad at you for that, too. Bilski, he probably is. Bilski was going to come in today, as a matter of fact. He's still pissed off at you about that. You're a liar. 
Um, but he's got a cold, so he didn't want to infect everyone else. Well, thanks, Bill. I and appreciate I said, that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I said, are you sure it's not hay fever? He goes, no, it's definitely it's definitely." Hay hey, you got to recut that commercial with him, not to pick on a fellow advertiser, but he sounds like he's a, working at a funeral home. Oh, it's, it's Bill. Well, you know what? You know, he's just like, well, and then we we opened another location. I don't know that it's done like that. No. Might, maybe exaggerating a little, but a I, you know, I've only met him a couple of times, and when you talk to him face to face, that's not him at all. So no, I'm guessing he was just super nervous when he did. I just it. don't think he wanted to upstage me. That's all it was. Like you know, we've been friends. It's fun. For... Upstaging me, I know you love it. You love doing it. <laughs> well, no, this is the guy who asked you whether or not his commercials are as good as Doug and Mike Bryan's. I said, oh, they're much, much better. Yeah, they're, they're much way better. better. Well, they're shorter, for one thing. <laughs> yeah, dogs are like 45 minutes long. That's the only problem with his. I heard one the other day. I think it was, was going to end. Oh, so they like, when is this commercial going to end, man? Tell Lastman next time he beeps me, I'm keying his he best. Did. He did. He beeped him twice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Scott, I will tell you one thing, though. There was one time, and it was a couple years ago, that the spot ran so long, we changed the call letters of the station. <laughs> oh my God. Right. Change format. <laughs> we changed KQ. I did hear Fun one the other country. day. I changed the station because the commercial never ended. Oh, shut up. <laughs> I'm serious. It, it, went on, it was a really long commercial. It wasn't Doug, though. No, it was a commercial on K-Cross. It was just the, the commercial was so long, I just... Hmm. Well, it's, it can only be 60 seconds. Yeah. Other than if it's not Doug. No, I think it was Walzer's commercial. Very funny. In fact, I can tell you, it's one that it's a newer one because you're kind of like acting in it. It's not really you. Doug's an actor. Like you're. you're, Oh no, those are only sixty seconds long. Are they? Yeah. All those Toyota spots. Yeah, they're only sixty seconds long. Yeah, half of them are disclaimers. I'm getting questions about you receiving a package in the mail last week, but I don't. We don't need to talk about that. I didn't get any package in the mail. Oh, okay, mm. good. Well, I just wanted to make sure. They were asking about that, so you didn't. Good. Excellent. I wanted to make sure. Yeah, but those, yeah, my mailman it, left me a nice. The mail lady left me a beautiful note. In my mailbox. Yeah, I heard though. that. I heard she's a she's a uh, yeah. fan of yours. Said welcome, welcome, Nick and Nancy. Glad to have you. See how nice. Oh, yeah. that's nice. Yeah. I did, this doesn't make any sense. Toys R Us demise could spur merger boom in U.S. toy market. Merger between who? If they're going out of business, who are they going to merge with? The U.S. toy industry looks set for a flurry of mergers and acquisitions between smaller toy makers in the aftermath of Toys R Us bankruptcy as they seek more scope and negotiating power with big box retailers. Oh, I see. It's the toy makers. Yeah, Target and Walmart. They're looking for better deals. I think this killed the toy business. The phone did? Yeah, it definitely helped. It hurt the toy business a lot. Because he can play games on the phones. Four-year-old kids are on phones. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right. I seen a, I seen literally a four year old kid on a on an iPhone. I would tell you this: when she was about eighteen months old, I saw Fawn walk over to the TV remote, pick it up, and go hello. <laughs> she did. She said hello into the TV remote. I'm like, what? That what? Stop! It's too depressing. Don't do that. Smaller toy companies that traditionally relied on Toys R Us as a launch platform to sell and promote products say it is difficult to develop relationships with mass retailers, which now have the country's biggest toy departments. They say retailers are increasingly picky about allocating display space, preferring billion-dollar well-known brands like Mattel, uh, Mattel's Barbie and Hot Wheels, and Hasbro's Marvel superhero action figures. Boy, what a, I don't know who it was at Hasbro that made that move, but that was genius. Yeah, Picking up all the, super, the Marvel app, uh, superhero action figures. It could have been the other, it could have been the, the Marvel who did it. Now, you mean that blew up the movies? No, well, I know Stan Lee got was a big part of it. That no, who went to the toy companies? I mean, to, to, yeah, well, yeah, that's true. They maybe they maybe they did go to yeah. to, to all of them, the Mattel and Hasbro, and Hasbro yeah, did the deal, license it. Yeah, that is the deal. If you are a young brand, it's hard to be found," said Sean Ryan, an analyst with China Market uh, Research Group, who covers Asian toy products. Really, is that why it's called the China Market Research Group? <laughs> really. A lot of smaller niche brands. I hate that word niche. I do too. It's niche. Annoying. It's always been niche. Yeah, it's niche. That's niche. Uh, in any any case, a lot of smaller niche brands. 
that you'd buy because you'd seen them while browsing and Toys R Us are going to be hit very hard with Toys R Us out of the picture. Retail power has shifted to Walmart, Target, and Amazon, said Jackie Breyer, editor-in-chief of industry magazine The Toy Book. Consolidation helps smaller toy firms get their name out and get products on shelves, and as they uh, will have a bigger portfolio of products for a mass market retailer to choose from, she added. Yeah, you don't think about things like that when, when places like Toys R Us fold up and all the rest of it. You don't think uh, that's going to – how many different companies are going to be affected by that? Yeah, a lot. A lot. A ton. A lot of jobs. A lot of jobs. You know, I, I saw Amazon's opening grocery stores now with no cashiers. Yep. Yep. So I don't know if I care for that idea. I went to a McDonald's, I think it was in Poland, that had no cashiers. No cashier. No, you walk up to a big, giant, full-action wall that you touch, and you touch what you want, and you slide your card, or you put in your money, and you walk up to a counter, and there's your food. Did you see the um, the X-Files when they went to the Japanese place to get sushi? And there were no human beings in there. I've been to one. And they, they, he tried to to uh, to pay for the meal, but didn't leave a tip because he didn't like the food. And the fact that that the machine didn't like that it didn't get a tip, that sent drones to his house. Oh no! It was really cool. That's yeah. cool. But in Japan, you don't tip. But you don't tip in Japan. Yeah. But, no. They, well, this they, was they consider America. it an insult. They consider it, oh, because it, I provide They will you. chase you down and give you your money back. Well, they will? Oh, absolutely. Well, it's like a bribe almost. It's an insult to them that you're giving them money for serving you. Well, I can see, I, I can see how you could read that into it. But, yeah, most, most in Japan, in Tokyo especially, in Golden Guy, you go into a restaurant, you pay, you pick your, what you're eating, and you pay for it in a machine. Yeah, that's how And the then you sit at a table, and then a conveyor belt comes right to your table and goes ding, 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 and that's your meal. It comes right to your table? Right to your table. And you take that, and then you put your empty plate in a hole in the table. The conveyor belt sushi is uh, very strange. That I is like a big it. deal. I actually like it. No, I understand. <laughs> you don't have to talk to anybody. <laughs> I understand what you're saying. It's kind of weird and all the rest of it, but uh, we will take a very, very quick break and be right back. A very special guest up next, Tom Bernard Show. Hi, this is Tom. If you spend any time at the lake, you can relate to the pure joy of hanging out on the dock. You, family, friends, and the calm of the water. If this sounds like heaven, you're going to want a flow dock. Flow docks are rock solid with double bracing to eliminate side-to-side sway. And get this, you could install, level, and remove your flow dock without even getting into the water. You see, Flo's passion to invent a better way to make life easier comes through in every product they make right down to flow boat lifts that are quieter, faster, and effortless to install and use. Are you starting to see a pattern here? Flow is about making things easy, meaning you have more time to enjoy being at the lake. Isn't that why you go there in the first place? See for yourself why they say they've been perfecting leisure time since 1983. Call or visit Flow's newest dealer in Chanhassen. Lakeshore Equipment, 952-474-DOC, or lakeshoreequipment.com, of course. Flow docks and lifts, a better way. I remember when my older brother came home from Vietnam and how proud I was to be seen with him in uniform. I'm a huge supporter of our military men and women and always have been. I've also got a soft spot for women and children. Lincoln said in his second inaugural speech that we should take care of the wounded and care for the widows and orphans. That's exactly what the Gold Star Ride Foundation does. This summer, the Gold Star Ride Foundation will travel across the country visiting Gold Star families on an ambitious adventure to help those families and remind them they are not forgotten. I made a commitment to help this organization just like Weston Choppers, Northlight Color, and Print Media Minnesota, and you should too. It's pretty easy to do. Just visit www.goldstarride.org and click the Donate button. Many of my listeners already have, and that's great, but let's not forget... We're all in this together. www.goldstarride.org. Today's a good day to do it. Be proud of our veterans and their families. Make a contribution today. There you go. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. It would be phenomenal. If Paula Poundstone did not like that song and was happy when it shorted out. <laughs> what do you think about that? Is Paula ready to go? Yep. 
Paula Poundstone, the totally unscientific study of the search for human happiness. A remarkable journey. I laughed. I cried. I got another cat. <laughs> Lily Tomlin with the review. Paula, how are you? Paula's not there. Yeah? Yeah, I can hear it. Well. Yeah, we're getting feedback from her end, so. Paula's, uh, I told you she didn't like Aerosmith. You wouldn't listen. Oh, there she is. Paula, you're there now, aren't you? I'm here. Oh, good, because we couldn't hear you there for a second. I don't know what that was all about, but. Uh, oh, well, there, that might be a little bit better. That is phenomenal, as a matter of fact. That works really, really well. Paula Poundstone, the totally unscientific study of the search for human happiness. Is there a secret to happiness? Now, I was originally asked by uh, Paula Poundstone, comedian Paula Poundstone, but I'm, I'm going to ask you because going from hardcover to, to paperback, is there a secret to happiness, Paula? Not in the hardcover to paperback transition. No. No, um, no. You know, I think, and, and my book is a series of experiments doing things that I or other people thought would make me happy. Um, and and every chapter is written as an experiment with the conditions and the hypothesis and the variables, etc. But the real question for me wasn't whether or not I would enjoy something. I, I have a handle on what I enjoyed. The question was, what could I do that would leave me with a bounce so that when I returned to my regular life, I, you know, I felt good, you know, while dealing with the slings and arrows of one's regular life, in my case, raising a house full of kids and animals and being a stand-up comic and just being stuck being me 24 hours a day. You know, Paul, that's, and, um, that's a great point. I actually. can tell you, I, I don't know that my book will give people happiness, but it, it will at least make them laugh. Um, and I think the keys to happiness, and I, it bums me out to say this because I was really hoping it was just sitting in a chair eating Doritos. Sure. Um, but I think there are a lot of the things that your parents told you to do. You know, go outside, get some exercise. Right, uh, uh, you know, get, get, get together with a friend. Um, uh, you know, a lot of it's a biochemical process. And I can tell you what it's not. It's not anywhere on a screen device. Oh, good. See, I think that's a very good point. Paula, how many kids do you have? I have three. You have three. They're, they're young adults now. They're, uh, in fact, they, really? It took me seven years to write. Um, yeah. And its number one job is to be funny, and I, I think it achieves that. But it also ends up telling the story of my kids, uh, you know, uh, growing up and, and leaving home. So uh, they're, they're all young adults now. You know, it's amazing, Paula, to think that they're young adults now, because I interviewed you as uh, I started interviewing you probably, I don't know, what, 25 years ago? When did, when did, you, when did you come on the national scene as a comedian? Oh, I don't remember. I started as a comic about 39 years ago, and probably, oh, I don't know, I probably, well, I don't know, five or six years in, so what would that be? About 33 years ago. Well, um, see, something the, like that. the reason yeah. I asked you that. have been around for quite a while. Yeah, I, the reason I asked you that question is the, that the morning show that I do started 33 years ago, and I think you were a brand new comedian, and I was a brand new morning show host, and you were one of the first people to appear on. You and Bob Costas, I think, were the fir first two guests on my show. Oh, wow. Now, uh, and where was that? Where is that? Uh, it's KQRS in Minneapolis, Minnesota, St. Paul, of course, uh, but the, the, oh, the station's nice. located in Minneapolis. And yeah, I, I, yeah, I believe you were my second guest on the show, but that was 30, yeah, that was on 33 Of course, you years. probably didn't tell me that. You probably made me feel like you were a seasoned professional. I one time had gone to give platelets many years ago at a hospital, and they, <laughs> and they, you know, they tried and tried to get a vein started, and they couldn't, and they couldn't. And so finally they said, yeah, you, you know, you, you're not capable of giving platelets, which kind of bummed me out because I, I wanted to be able to do it. And a couple of years later, I'm on an elevator at the hospital, and I see one of the women that was there that day, and I said, I said hi, and she didn't look like she remembered me. And I said, oh, remember, I tried to get platelets, blah, blah, blah. She goes, oh, come back. That was my first day. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a platelet woman and me. The, the two of us. Our yeah, first exactly. <laughs> so you, you led me to believe that you're a seasoned professional. It turns out it was like your first day of work. Well, actually, Paul, I didn't even know where the 
soda machine was yet. That's true. That, I, I had just started a new job, and I'm st- I still have that job, by the way. And you, I'm sure you'll be on that show when the, for the for the book as well. But I, I actually have been on the radio now. I'm, I'm in my 49th year of doing radio shows. So you know, I was wow. a, I was a seasonal season professional. I started when I was a teenager. I got my first show when I was a young teenager. It worked like a charm. Yeah, but that was just broadcasting there in your house. That was just—you <laughs> grew up rich, and your family had an nah, intercom. Believe me, I did not <laughs> and, grow uh, up rich. Yeah, you're you're way off base there. <laughs> <laughs> Swing and a miss on that one, Paula. No, the, your family had an intercom, and you you used to bring guests uh, on, and you would broadcast from your bedroom to the kitchen. I remember that show. I think it would be so phenomenal. Somebody rings the doorbell and you go. Uh, you're listening to WTOM. Uh, you're at my front door. Yeah, that would be that would be just wonderful. So what I like you is... Have to, you have to combine your job with that new, like, security thing. Yes. Where people ring your the doorbell ring. and you pretend that you're home. Yeah, the ring. Yeah, yeah, that, the other it, one. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Exactly, yeah. I think it is called the ring. Paula, what I yeah. really like is yeah. the fact that your your children are now young adults, and now you're looking back and saying... It's exactly what your parents told you was happiness because now you're in that position where you're saying it's what I told you happiness was and you wouldn't listen to me. I think that's fantastic. Oh, I was right about so many things. And by the way, many more things than my parents were right about, okay. although they were right about some things. Right. Hey, Paul, but largely, uh, you know, and I try not to say it when I talk to my kids, but it is the elephant in the room. Like, I have so many I told you so it's coming my way. I understand. Um, but, yeah, like I say, I mean, I try not. I try to. You know, and people say to me all the time, they go, you know, I can't believe I heard you talk about your kids for so many years. It seems so weird to think of, like, you must miss them so much. I say, well, yeah, of course I miss them. But the truth is, if I want them back, all I have to do is take out my checkbook and make a tapping sound <laughs> with my pen. <laughs> Now, Paul, I have to ask your producer because you originally booked until two forty-five. So I don't want to, you know, eat up somebody else's time. It, are we, are we okay for a few oh, more yeah, minutes? Yeah, I got to go because uh, I have to go into NPR and do something for somewhere else. I guess. Okay, um, well, I wanted to make sure I that because I'm I, parked out, out in front of the NPR building in Culver City, <laughs> California. <laughs> Well, I appreciate your time today, and I don't want to burn up somebody else's time. But, Paula, always a great pleasure. Thank you. Well, thank you so much. It was it was nice talking to you, and, and congratulations on your intercom show. Well, thank you. It's the <laughs> highest-rated intercom show in America. I want you to know that. In the world, actually. Paula Poundstone. Genius, the, the totally. Right, take care. Thank you. Thank you, Paula. Paula Poundstone, the totally unscientific study of the search for human happiness I don't know what that was. What happened at the very beginning there? It wasn't us. I have no idea. She was she was there, but just somewhere else. She was there, but she was not there. Right. I, I, I love that whole take on, I searched for happiness, and what I found out, what, what brought true happiness is what my parents told me would, because now you're that parent telling your kids, this is what happiness is all my about. My parents never told me any of that stuff. Oh, I didn't either. I didn't hear any of that, what happiness was. My parents were not very happy. I asked my parents anything, and they said, how the hell would I know? <laughs> <laughs> None of your damn business. So what about that? None of your business what uh, the search for happiness is all about. But, yeah, that book is done very, very well. It's in paperback form now, Paula Poundstone's book. That's been out for a couple of years. But, yeah, I think she was the second guest ever on the case. Bob Costas was the first guest ever. And uh, the second guest ever was, I believe, Paula Poundstone. Wow. Looking back 33 years, that's, yeah, I think that's wonderful. Yeah, it's awesome. You know, the, she's doing well, I'm doing okay. I wanted to ask her where she resides at now. Where, she, where does she live at? What state she lives in? Yeah, that I don't know because she's out doing a, a promo tour at Culver City. So I just was curious where she you know, calls home. Doesn't it say in the book? Probably says in the back of the book where she where she lives. It usually says on the back of the book where they live, but... That's not necessarily the case here. I will say that. Anything? Not seeing it. Nothing. Nope. Not happen. God, I you know these stories pop up, and there are millions of stories, but I just don't. I don't want to read the story. Missing children stats. One missing child is one too many. I'm not reading that. No, story. don't read that one. Read the one about the pro <laughs> golfer whose wife beat up his mother-in-law. Uh, you got to find that. That's where, just now. Where, where would I find that? ESPN had it. Yeah, yeah, or you could just Google pro golfer's wife beats yeah. up mother-in-law. Yeah. Okay. 
Because I can't remember the name, the guy's name. Golfer's wife beats <laughs> up mother-in-law. Yep, mother-in-law. Okay, mother-in-law. Okay, got it all in there. Pro golfer's wife beats up mother-in-law, and there it is, ladies and gentlemen. Saturday. Yeah. And oh, she looks like she's pretty crabby. She's actually a pretty woman, but she's nuts. You can kind of tell by looking at her. That uh, she needs to calm down. The 36-year-old spouse of golf's 2009 U.S. Open champion was arrested Saturday night after an angry assault in Ponte Vedra Beach that began with yelling and taunts and ended with curses and threats to deputies, according to the St. John's County Sheriff's Office. Krista Connolly Glover of Southeast Hidden Bridge Court in Jupiter, wife of PGA pro golfer Lucas Glover, was charged with misdemeanor battery and resisting arrest, according to her arrest report. Lucas Glover, 38, confirmed the arrest in a Tuesday morning tweet, saying everyone is fine after he and his mother were involved in the argument. Regrettably, although Krista was charged, we are comfortable that the judicial system is able to address what actually happened, and Krista will be cleared in this private matter. (laughs) That's not what Sprinthal told me. Keep reading. Deputies were called to a rental home on Marsh Hawk Place. About 8.25 p.m. to find the couple arguing, Krista Glover met the deputies in the driveway and told them everything is fine, and she did not want information shared because of who they were, according to the arrest report. The deputies meant, you guys know who Lucas Glover is? Yeah. No. Because I don't. I have no idea who Lucas Glover is. U.S. Open champion? Yeah. He won the yeah. Open in 09. He's won a couple other tourneys since then, but not too many. I don't remember him The story I read, Open. apparently, every time he plays badly, and he shot a 78 in the third Ooh, round. Ooh, that's not good. His wife gets pissed at him and just <laughs> calls him out. Well, thank you, honey. I feel much better about myself. Well, it's kind now. of a letdown, though, because the 08 U.S. Open was so great. Right. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was Rocco Mediate and... Yep. Tiger Woods. And that black guy. <laughs> and the black guy, yes, that black man. He won three PGA Tours, one Web.com Tour, and two others. Mm, that's good. See? So six professional wins. The deputies met Lucas Glover, who said the altercation began after he played a bad round of golf. He competed in the Players' Championship at Sawgrass, but missed the 54-hole cut on Saturday. The husband told deputies that every time he plays poorly in a tournament, his wife yells and calls him a loser. <laughs> <laughs> And worst thing in front of their kids, the report said. He's, yeah, I will tell you this. She's a pretty young woman, but she's a boozer. You can yeah. tell by looking at the pictures. You can, you can, while she's still attractive. You call that a swing? <laughs> You're a loser. I've seen a better swing on a gate. Oh, here you go. He said she had been drinking all day. <laughs> all day, not night. Not, not uh, night. Yelling at him and his mother. Started yelling at his mother, too, when they got uh, to the house. He said she forcefully attacked him, cutting his right arm. When his 62-year-old mother tried to tell Krista to stop, she also was attacked, receiving multiple lacerations to both arms. After Lucas Glover uh, was advised she was being arrested, uh, he backed off on the account he had given about her hitting him, according to the report. Deputies handcuffed Krista Glover and tried to get her uh, in the patrol car, but she tried to run away. <laughs> then refused to get in. She proceeded to wrap her legs should... and feet around the door and frame of the car, preventing the lower half of her body from entering. You know, this, this, is a t- this is a typical South Florida story. It really it's is. South Florida. That man. is South Florida right there. <laughs> Two deputies pushed and pulled to get her inside, whereupon she screamed and kicked the door and even slipped out of one handcuff. She got out of her handcuff. It doesn't even matter he's a pro golfer. It's a South Florida story. That's true. Uh, The report uh, said en route to jail, Krista Glover told the deputies they would lose their jobs once the PGA Tour learned of her arrest. This is why cops get (laughs) shot in the face, she said. Wait till Uh, I tell the judge you will be effing fired over this. Glover was released on bail on Sunday, according to jail records. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again tomorrow on the Tom Bernard Show.